Hello and welcome to the Adding Energy Podcast, a podcast about energy usage, energy efficiency, and energy issues. I'm your host, McLean, but you can call me Sir. Uh, today we have our first undocumented observer, uh, and he is here to, uh, to share. And uh, we're going to talk today about um, energy efficiency projects and why don't people do them. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we talk about energy efficiency because there are things in this world that deserve your money more than your utility bill. So this week's thing that is better than your utility bill is Spotify premium. So for the outrageous price of, uh, $10 a month, you can, at the drop of a hat, uh, play songs like, uh, average white bands, pick up the pieces, uh, and things like that come from come with in, inherent value uh, in improving your life. Uh, in addition to just streaming random stuff uh, whenever you feel like it. So uh, now, uh, yeah. And so to talk about these things I have here, my friend, the undocumented observer. Hello, sir. <laughs> Hello. Um, and so we have a frustration in the world of energy and that the people who seem attracted to audits tend to be the uh, the overachiever and this total mess. So people who know and understand energy efficiency and have already been through it, they see the value, they see the benefit, and they take it on. Uh, or the people who find out that their utility bill is four times what everybody else is. They're the other ones that kind of come through and do this stuff. So my friend here and I uh, have an affinity for uh, multifamily uh, yes. residential uh, because uh, globally that is the, the sector of life that needs the most energy efficiency. Uh, so uh, we are going to uh, go through a little bit of a discussion here on ways to get more of these entities uh, to participate in comprehensive energy efficiency projects. Right. So. <laughs> Thank you, Mick. Um, yeah, I think you set it up perfectly. Um, just as a little bit of background here uh, on what I'm working on and why uh, we think interventions like this are so important. Um, you know, there, there's a need to save energy. Uh, there's obviously a need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, but we can't, governments can't you know, provide incentives and sub subsidies and basically spend their way to achieving the types of savings and greenhouse gas emissions we need to mm -hmm. uh, in order to avert the most catastrophic effects of climate change, if that's even possible at this point. <laughs> there's there's no pile of candy big enough to make your kids get skinny, is what right. we're trying to say. <laughs> right. Well put. Um, and also... Uh, I guess the good news is that there is potential for self-sustaining markets and industries to grow uh, that can function to help us achieve these goals. Um, if we continue to offer the you know the same rich incentives and grants, these in industries won't be able to appropriately develop and mature. They'll be dependent upon incentives and subsidies to deliver these services to the market, um, and. While there absolutely, you know, still is a need for subsidies, we want to start thinking past them, especially in contexts where there are real value propositions and these just make economic sense and people can sell these services without incentives. Uh, so to that end, uh, I and a lot of great and 
brilliant people uh, are working on a, many different interventions uh, that basically are trying to bring the right information to the right stakeholders in the market. Uh, more specifically, we're working on tools that will enable underwriting to savings for multifamily mortgages, basically getting uh, lenders to ascribe value to energy efficiency improvements in multifamily buildings. Uh, a little bit of how the mortgage financing and underwriting process <laughs> works. Uh, asset value is a function of net operating income in a building. So how much money the building makes, net of how much it costs to operate the building. Uh, a good bench, uh, you know, back of the envelope way to calculate how much a building is worth uh, in a nice, safe market, like say New York City, uh, <laughs> where you know a building is generally a safe investment given how many people want to live here. Uh, it'll have a pretty low cap rate, about five percent. So that's how much money the building will make for you every year. Um, so you multiply that net operating income, the profit of the building, by 20. Uh, and that establishes the value of the building. It's the back of the envelope way to do that. Mm -hmm. um, a big proportion of these operating expenses are utilities, uh, energy expense. Um, it's about, it can go up to 25%. Uh, 25 to 30% for master metered multifamily buildings um, where the owner pays for all of the energy use in the building. Uh, and when a mortgage lender underwrites the value of a building, they look at the past performance of the building, past income and operating expenses. Uh, and when it comes to energy specifically, uh, they'll look at the past three years of the building's energy expenses, uh, take the total cost of the most expensive, the most expensive of the three years and just project that expense going forward with 3% annual compound growth over the term of the loan. Uh, alternatively, uh, they can refer to, um, what are called sometimes called management and operations standards. So these are benchmarked figures of how much it costs to operating a building to operate a building, either on a per unit, per square foot, per room basis. Um, so to to try to sum this up in yes. real English, uh, the value of the or the assumed value of the building has nothing to do with what is the building. It only has to do with how much you can get for rent. So it's the annual yes. rent times 20. <laughs> so 20 years worth of rent. And then from that, they knock off the cost of expenses uh, against the building. So whatever you're going to have to pay as part of that. So if you're, you're supers, taxes, uh, and utilities. So it's only your day-to-day -day costs and your income from the rent that determine the value of this building, which seems ridiculous that, you know, you could have a hundred thousand square feet or you could have 2000 square feet and they could be potentially valued the same by the lender. Mm -hmm. uh, but when those are the things that are determining the value, uh, then yes, uh, if your energy is 25% of your expenses, 
then it totally makes sense that if you could knock that down by a quarter or half, that that could change the value of your building, at least how it's calculated by the bank or the mortgage institution. Yes. And please continue to jump in <laughs> with translations. I, I live with this stuff and I tend <clears throat> to explain it in a kind of droll, wonky Way. Yes, so and, and the thing uh, between uh, Sir and myself, uh, we also we can have you know uh, hour long debates over whether annual rate of return is better than internal rate of return or savings to investment ratio or any of these other things that are financial tools that people use to figure out how good or bad of a money uh, idea things are. So I will try to pretend like I don't know what he's talking about <laughs> and then pull it back into English uh, for anyone Thank who's you. listening, especially because uh, so many of you are not from this continent uh, who stumble <laughs> upon uh, SoundCloud. So uh, do, do continue. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, underwriting to savings. There's... Uh, a growing interest in this uh, from the lending community, both from mortgage lenders and the secondary market. Uh, Fannie and Freddie both offer green mortgage products for multifamily buildings where they'll actually pay for the cost of the energy audit and offer more favorable terms to their loans. So mortgage lenders that are what are called conduit lenders. So they make these mortgage loans and then they sell them back to Fannie and Freddie. They have access to these products. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of uh, what are called balance sheet lenders, lenders that make these loans and keep them on their books, they don't do underwriting to savings. Um, and those balance sheet lenders are most active in New York City where the market is, the market the competition among mortgage lenders uh, is, you know, fierce, pretty fierce. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for an adjective. <laughs> yeah. Cause if, if you can get, uh, and the Fannie uh, and Freddie uh, rates don't. Compete. Yeah. Yeah. So individual bank lending here, they have months that they have to, you know, close and they have savings accounts. They have to be making profits and, and money. And, you know, I've seen people refinance for, you know, tens of percents, or you know a handful of hundreds of percents uh, mm -hmm. because on some of these loans that could be you know ten thousand dollars a month right. you know if you can get it down from three point two eight to three point two seven so that's those real money yeah it's and that's very real money yeah yeah <laughs> so you know in, in energy uh, efficiency calcs you know if if I'm wrong on whether or not your thermostat saves you you know ten percent of your utility bill. Uh, you know, that might mean that you might have to miss a trip out to dinner uh, over the course of a year. But some of these institutions use vast amounts of energy where, you know, you being off by a percent on, you know, a mortgage rate or being off by a percent on, uh, on utility costs, you know, that could be somebody's paycheck. And right. So, so that these these things do matter to these people who play these games, and so it, they're so competitive that going and buying the same pot of money that the entire country has to play with, it, it, they don't even think about that. Right. Um, so yeah, and I, I'm I'm speaking from the perspective of multifamily and these you know this these small mid market rental buildings. Uh, which constitute a huge proportion of multifamily building stock uh, in New York. Um, but 
you know, as we both alluded to, there's growing interest in this the in an underwriting to savings, um, and what that actually means is projecting lower operating expenses from energy efficiency improvements and ascribing more value to the building because of that. Um, generally, owners of these you know small mid market rental buildings want to borrow as much as they possibly can against the value of the building. Uh, either to you know recoup cash for themselves or invest in other buildings, um, so there's a real value proposition on their end uh, in this uh, in an underwriting to savings in a mortgage product that includes underwriting to savings, uh, and obviously banks uh, are in the business of lending as much as they possibly can, uh, so there's a value proposition on their end too. Uh, lenders from some conversations we've had are tentatively eager to start doing this, these balance sheet lenders that keep the mortgages on their books. Uh, but right now, all they have to rely on are projections. So an, an engineering firm goes in and does an, uh, an energy audit. They say, if you do this work, your energy costs will go from what they were to this number. Um, and Mortgage lenders, mortgage insurers, affordable housing regulators don't like relying on projections. Um, and there isn't a body of data or comparables that they can reference that would support the claims in those projections. Um, luckily, <laughs> uh, there have been pretty robust, rich incentive programs uh, for multifamily energy performance uh, improvements for comprehensive uh, retrofit projects uh, that have funded hundreds uh, of such retrofits. And for all of these hundreds of projects, we have incredible data, uh, cost data, scope of work data, pre-retrofit energy use data, post-retrofit energy use, uh, timelines, pictures, just incredible data that we're very eager to put to use. And that's what we want to do here. Uh, we want to publish the data so lenders can see how these improvements actually affect operating expenses and asset value. Uh, we've done a little bit of analysis on what a building's operating expenses are when uh, you rely on prescribed standards. So, you know, these are benchmarked uh, amounts of, of what it should cost to, operating a build to operate a building uh, versus what the operating expenses are with one line item changed, which is the heating fuel. And we've done this for hundreds of buildings and when you compare the two operating expense amounts with that one line item changed uh, to what the actual post-retrofit heating fuel cost is, the impact on operating expenses is a 8 to 10% reduction. And the impact on the total value of the building is between 9 and 12, is a, is a 9 and 12 percent increase on the total value. And when you're talking about multifamily buildings in New York City, 
uh, 9% increase on a $10 million mortgage is real money. That's a lot of money that <laughs> these owners could pocket. That's a lot more money that these lenders could lend. And there's a, there's a real business case there on both ends. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So uh, by going through and improving these buildings in one way, you're increasing the calculated value of the building. And by increasing that calculated value of the building, you're increasing the amount of the mortgage that the building owner can take out. And you're also, and you know, by doing that, you're increasing how much money the bank can lend on that property uh, without them cutting into where they're at risk. Right. So having that game being played, that makes a lot of sense. Now, we're talking heating fuel because in New York City, uh, it is most common to have master metering for heating because you're not going to have 8,000 heating appliances in the building. You're going to have one or two big boilers in the basement, and that's going to serve your 50 apartments or whatever you're dealing with. Uh, as opposed to now for a couple hundred bucks, you can throw on a little device and you can measure the electricity in every apartment uh, so they can pay their own electric bills. So, uh, And we're talking about New York City because New York has been spending money on this forever. There's tons of work done there. Whatever's done there can easily be taken and then replicated in Chicago and yeah. D.C. and Seattle and you know Los Angeles if they were to ever do anything that involved heating or air conditioning efficiency. But uh, for there, it'll be water. It'll be <laughs> water efficiency improvements. <clears throat> yeah. So. And, uh, yeah, so we want to target that refinancing event. And... I want to add as an aside, you know, building owners are only going to do this. They're only going to do this work when they absolutely have to, when the boiler needs to be replaced, when the roof is caving in, the windows are falling out of their frames. That's when they'll replace that equipment. Um, and they're, so, we, so we want to target the refinancing event and we want to make sure owners are aware of latent value in their building when they are buying a distressed asset to improve it and either you know hold on to it or sell it once the work is done. Uh, there are tens of thousands of rental buildings in the New York City metro area. And mortgages on these, you know, investment assets uh, these types of you know small rental buildings. Uh, the mortgages generally have five, seven, or ten-year terms with thirty-year amortization schedules. So that means you know between five and ten years. There are basically <laughs> there are thousands uh, of these refinancing events every year. Yes, uh, because they need, these buildings need to be refinanced every five or seven years, ten years, whatever. Um, and so there are thousands of times uh, buildings' values are appraised and the conditions are assessed. Um, and th that's the event we want to target, and these events happen pretty often. Uh, and we want this database of project performance data to be available to owners and lenders so that owners can reference it, especially those owners that are buying a distressed asset to improve it, so that they could see the latent value in the building. 
uh, how much better the building could perform financially if they make incremental investments in slightly more energy efficient equipment than they normally would have installed. Um, they're going to do the work anyway, spend a little bit more on the better equipment. You could get a better mortgage or a larger mortgage, make more money from the building. Um, and we want the comps database to support the lower operating expense projections, uh, from these energy audits and from the energy improvements they're going to install. Uh, so Mason is an example. Uh, an investor is considering a 50-unit steam-heated building in northern Manhattan, which he wants to buy, renovate, and then sell. He sees that the building spends uh, $1,000 to $1,300 per apartment per year on heating. He finds a similar building in the comps database, one of these buildings that have done a comprehensive energy efficiency improvement. Not, you know, cutting edge stuff, no solar panels or, you know, passive house <laughs> insulation or anything like that. Just regular, you know, high efficiency boiler, slightly better windows, better insulation. He sees that that building spends about 500 to $700 per apartment per year on heating. When he refinances, that is going to make a big difference. He was going to spend that money anyway on comprehensive capital improvements, but when he's, but with this information, he sees the value of these incremental investments. Um, yeah. So we see in this the potential for a self-sustaining market. There are thousands of these events, as I said before, thousands of these events a year. If we get lenders to call for energy performance improvements because they could either make a bit better loan, a bigger loan, or they could offer more favorable terms, or it reduces the risk of the loans they hold on their books because there's less variation due to, you know, fluctuating utility costs and weather or whatever else, um, you know, it reduces that variation. Um, you know, we want them to be cognizant of that value, um, and call for these improvements because it will help both of their bottom lines. Um, yeah. And we just think there's a, it's a, it's a perfect intervention in terms of, you know, releasing the data we already have that we're, we're eager to publish. Yeah. So the, the concept being when we use the term self-sustaining market, um, you know, there's 8,000 TV shows now that are flipping houses, but it's not TV shows that are underwriting house flip profitability, right? So the concept is that in this area, what we would do is instead of having, you know, some entity writing checks to people who buy better equipment or to have uh, energy efficiency calculations or studies done, uh, instead of somebody else picking up the tab for the legwork, that the benefit to the borrower and the benefit to the lender would be the driver for those entities to spend money on engineering and construction to go ahead and go through and, and participate in doing energy efficiency projects. And then it won't be some, uh, you know, governor presenting this giant pile of money that's going to attract everybody and their uncle. 
to to try to start doing something. It's going to be proven businesses working with lenders and business owners to create these uh, the benefit of the the less cost to reduce the cost of owning and operating uh, these buildings and to increase their value on paper. Well so. put, sir. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, the actual trigger device, we still have no idea what that looks like. So we're trying to get it through the lender side presently of trying to get in lenders to encourage and just to give them the tool of this these comps for projects and for, for audits because there are organizations that did write checks and part of what they got for those checks was information about the projects, the energy usage before, the energy usage after, and what was changed so that we would have some giant database somewhere that people could dig through. So if we could put that in a manageable form, create a way for for other organizations to use that information, uh, then that could generate uh, work based upon that, you know, it's, it'd be like if there was a, a catalog of cars and you could find out that, oh, if you've changed this on your car or you, or changed uh, that on your car, you could improve its energy efficiency. And now, you know, you could drive a Tundra that got 40 miles to the gallon, uh, something like that. The sweet aluminum spoiler <laughs> on my car definitely adds a hundred horsepower. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care what any data says. <laughs> so just like you know, chipping your car or uh, throwing a bottle of NOS under the passenger seat uh, makes you more attractive to women. Um, <laughs> these type of things could be used to determine, uh, you know, ways you could cho- change your building to increase its its value and increase your revenue. Um, and that being the driver, as opposed to um, tax rebates or uh, incentive checks. Um, so uh, this would probably also have a similar functionality in the residential single-family market, but it would probably require something different. Again, we like the idea of doing it at the time of getting your mortgage or something like that, but as opposed to tying it to you know giant piles of money, uh, I think the intent would be more to try to prescribe the efficiency of one house as opposed to its neighbor. So maybe you can see uh, on the MLS listing uh, the dollars per square foot of house, and then you'd have a way to compare the 1940s farmhouse to the 15-year-old colonial to the 20-year-old raised ranch as far as how many dollars per month you're going to get into uh, for energy efficiency. And then the term being, if you still want to buy the farmhouse, then you have, uh, you know, company Q come out and take a look at it and decide, oh, well, if we change your boilers and change your windows and throw some insulation in your attic, that you can have, that you can get your utility bill to the same as that brand new colonial. Um, so there's just a little look into the insanity that we deal with <laughs> day to day. And that our problems aren't uh, selecting a proper replacement for an incandescent lamp or how big to make a boiler. Uh, They tend to be a little more on the ethereal uh, or the programmatic uh, type type issue. Um, The appropriate replacement. If you're incandescent bulb, yes, is an Edison bulb. Yeah, Edison incandescent bulb. They're so cool looking. 
<clears throat> and I'm pretty sure it's code in New York City now for every new restaurant to have Edison bulb lighting. Yeah. Every single restaurant <laughs> in the city has those. Hey, man, electric heat <laughs> might be the thing coming soon. Um, so uh, that'll probably be the podcast before this one, uh, lighting. But if it's not, it'll come right immediate after this one. So uh, there are some thoughts. Hopefully, you're a little wiser than when we started. Uh, hopefully if you're thinking about buying a multifamily building, you will try to, uh, pull some of these strings and find out where you end up. And if you're just a normal person, now you have something else to talk about at the company Christmas party rather than football. So (laughs) for my friend here, sir, and for me, Mick Lane, this is the adding energy podcast. And thanks for giving a lot. Thank you.